In 1521, at the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther was asked to recant his writings. Luther responded, Unless I am convinced from the sacred scriptures that I am in error, I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Will you stand with us as we proclaim these Reformation truths in the 21st century? You can take your stand by becoming a monthly or annual contributor to Issues Etc. Find out the benefits of becoming an Issues Etc. confessor, apologist, reformer, or patron on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses. Help us proclaim the solas of the Reformation. Scripture, faith, grace, and Christ alone. Here we stand, Issues Etc. and you. with many people who have come to Lutheran theology and practice from outside. And almost to a person, there are some exceptions, but almost to a person, the thing that they found most intriguing about Lutheran theology and practice was Lutheran worship. It's where they find all that theology expressed. It's where they find all that theology in an everyday form. The preaching, the sacraments, the singing, the chanting, they realize, like maybe some Lutherans like me from birth, they realize that this is really where Lutheran theology and practice is at, Sunday morning. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about some tips when visiting a Lutheran church, Dr. Gene Edward Veith. He's provost and professor of literature emeritus at Patrick Henry College, previously served as culture editor for World Magazine, He's director of the Chronic Institute at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of numerous books, including The Spirituality of the Cross, and a recent column titled Five Tips to Keep in Mind When Visiting a Lutheran Church. Dr. Veith, welcome back. Oh, good to be with you. Before we start talking about your column, we should be honest that, unfortunately, some Lutheran churches have abandoned the historical liturgy and gone for a more revivalist, evangelical worship style, Right. Yeah, that's true, unfortunately, I think. At the very time that a lot of evangelicals are getting interested in liturgical worship and want to learn more about it, this column has been picked up by like 20,000 page viewers. That just shows the interest in, in real Lutheran liturgy. And it is ironic that some of our Lutheran churches are getting away from that. What was your first time at a Lutheran church like? Well, my wife and I thought we would visit this. We were new in town. We visited the Lutheran church, and we were really impressed by how formal it was, how structured it was, and we weren't used to that. It came from mainline liberal Protestantism, and then we got involved with the evangelical churches, and this was very different. So we decided to come again the next time, and all of a sudden people started chanting. And it was the whole liturgy. And it was funny because it turned out on when there's a fifth Sunday at that congregation, they do a more in what they call an informal service, but it was still more formal than anything we had encountered before. But when we learn and experience 
the the full liturgy, we were really blown away by it. Why do we call worship in the Lutheran circles the divine service? Well, a lot of Christians talk about worship as us serving God, but the Lutheran emphasis is that God serves us through his word, through the sacrament, and Lutheran worship is built around word and sacrament. And so in it, we find we're coming into the the presence of God himself, and he's working on us, creating faith in us. And that's a completely different approach to worship than anything I had encountered before. Why do so many non-Lutherans often find Lutheran worship difficult to understand? Well, it is different from any other kind of certainly Protestant and evangelical worship. They don't know why it seems so Catholic and why they sing the responses and what the music is. Why is it they're chanting all this? What is chant? It sounds like we're back in the Middle Ages. And the sermon is completely different than the kinds of sermon that they're used to. And, of course, the approach of the sacrament uh, of Holy Communion, that's very odd, too. So a lot of visitors are intrigued by it, even impressed by it, but they find it kind of confusing, and they need to understand kind of what is going on to fully appreciate it. How does the Lutheran liturgy display the the principles of the 16th century Reformation? Well, a lot of visitors come in and think that this is Catholic. Uh, usually they express it as this is too Catholic. But actually what's happening is a good example of what the original Reformation was about. Luther didn't want to start a new church. He wanted to reform the church. And so the principle was that everything that pointed to Christ and the gospel and the word of God should be retained. And much in the ancient orders of service originally is built around that. Luther got rid of the elements in the in the Catholic mass where you pray to saints, pray for the dead, and other theologically problematic things that are expressed in the worship. But when you take all of those out, what you have is a service that does point to Christ and expresses the gospel and not just follows the word of God, but much of it consists of the word of God, which we use in worship as well as in our studies. So talk about how and why the Lutheran liturgy really is just mostly quotations from Scripture itself. Well, the great liturgical pieces of the liturgy, the Agnus Dei, O Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, the Sanctus, the Offertory, the the Nunc Dementis, and the responses, those are all just word for word from the Bible. And what we're doing is singing the Word of God. And so I know one of my 
friends, evangelical friends who have gotten into discussions and their objections about liturgy. And I'll say, well, I point this out to them and they don't realize that. And I say, what parts of the word of God do you think we shouldn't be saying in worship? And that sort of puts the end to it because the whole text of the liturgy is either quotations from or close paraphrases of or clearly based on the Bible, word for word. And you had mentioned chanting. What should a visitor understand about both chanting and Lutheran hymns? Well, chanting is simply the way you can sing prose. It's a flexible, flowing, melodic line that can be adapted to sing any piece of prose. And so it's funny, my Reformed friends, uh, some of them belong to Psalms-only singing and Psalms-only churches, and they will only sing psalms, not even traditional hymns of any kind. They're actually paraphrasing the psalm to make it fit into a regular meter and rhyme scheme. So in singing the 23rd Psalm, they'll something like they have to revise the psalm. So it's the Lord of love, my shepherd is. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me and something, something, something lie. Uh, And so it, it has to rhyme because of the metrical form of the music. Whereas chanting lets you sing the words right out of the Bible. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down beside green pastures. I'm a terrible singer and chanter. But chanting, it sounds medieval, and it's a medieval style of music, but it allows us to sing the Word of God right out of the book, word for word, without changing it or paraphrasing it at all. Why does the Lutheran liturgy begin with confession of sin and absolution? Well, that's an area that a lot of visitors right from the outset really get thrown by, or really object to sometimes. I say only Jesus can forgive sins. A pastor can't forgive sins. And sometimes they get very indignant about that. But first of all, the pastor, when he forgives sins, says that as a called and ordained servant of the word, I announce the grace of God to all of you. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. But his authority is as a called servant of the word. And that gets into the, the doctrine of vocation, which teaches that God works through human beings, just as he gives daily bread through farmers and bakers and our whole economic system. He gives his word, his promises, his gospel, his sacraments through the office of the ministry. And then the scripture clearly states in a passage that I don't know how evangelicals or other people can get around these texts where Jesus breathes on his disciples, gives them the Holy Spirit after his resurrection, and says the sins you forgive are forgiven. The sins you retain are retained. And that's really preaching the gospel at the very beginning of the service so that we all reflect on our sins 
and then hear that gospel message of our forgiveness and Christ's promise of his forgiveness. And that really sets us up for the rest of the worship service to come. That's become one of my favorite parts of the service and a part that I look forward to and and depend on in many ways. You just quoted that John 20 passage, but that's one of the things that many visitors to a Lutheran church are going to trip up over when the pastor uses that first-person pronoun, I forgive you all your sins. How can he say that? Mm -hmm. Well, by virtue of his office as a called servant of the word. And so it is Christ who's forgiving sins, but he does it through the voice of the pastor, just as Christ gives us his body and blood through the words and the hands and the workings of what the pastor is doing, just as Jesus baptizes through the pastor when he's baptizing someone. And so God works through human beings when they act in their office, when they act in their vocation, just as God is creating new life and caring for children through the office of fathers and mothers, just as he gives a daily bread through the vocation of farmers and bakers and cooks and the people who bring us our our meal at a restaurant, he's working very powerfully through pastors. And that promise, it, it makes it very real, very tangible. It's not just praying silently and hoping that God hears and might forgive my sins. We, we hear that immediately through a pastor face to face, and he gives us that promise through his voice, just as surely as he's standing there and as I'm in the pew. And so that's a very important example of the application of the gospel to people who need to hear it. Dr. Gene Edward Veith is our guest. We're getting some tips about how to and what to look for when you visit a Lutheran church. How will Lutheran preaching be different from typical evangelical preaching? We'll answer that question after this. What can we learn from our Lutheran forefathers on how to face the challenges of a culture openly hostile to Christianity? Pastor Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled For Such a Time as This. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. You'll also find Pastor Will Whedon's article on the monthly Psalter, the free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. 
Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook. facebook.com slash lutheracademy. We're talking about tips when visiting a Lutheran church. Dr. Gene Edward Veith is our guest. He's author of The Spirituality of the Cross. Dr. Veith, how will Lutheran preaching be different from typical evangelical preaching? Well, there won't be any politics in it, not directly. There won't be any biblical tips for successful living. It's a popular style of sermons in a lot of evangelical circles. There won't be a lot of moralism, telling you to do this, that, and it's easy, and if you do it, God will reward you. There won't be anything like that. What it is is preaching the law and gospel. Again, that's a central part of, of the Reformation teaching. Preaching the law, yes, there's definitely morals in it, but in a way to show us that we have not kept that law, that we are not moral, that we are not good people, that we have broken God's law, and that we need to repent. And again, a good Lutheran sermon will really, many times I feel sort of tightening the screws on my life and making me recognize things that I've sort of hidden to myself and everybody else before. But then as he brings us to that point of repentance, the sermon will turn to the gospel about how Christ has fulfilled that law for us in our behalf, and that he died for the sins that we committed, but that through him there is grace and mercy and forgiveness. And when you go through that process of hearing that law and gospel sermon, it takes you for a very powerful journey where you realize your sinfulness, but then with joy, you realize once again, you've heard it many times before, but you really realize it, that Christ has died for me and that I'm free of this sin and of this condemnation that I know I deserve. But it's, it's a very liberating as you go through the pattern of just a typical Lutheran sermon. Why do Lutherans believe that Jesus is bodily present in the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper? Well, Lutherans take the Word of God very seriously, and they don't try to interpret it away or you know, saying, oh, this is, must just be symbolic, or, or this is just a figure of speech. Christ, throughout the Scripture, 
speaks of St. Paul does too. The bread and wine, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. And we do not dare to contradict or try to explain away those words. And so to understand that he is giving us his body, he is giving us the blood for the remission of our sins, Again, it's the gospel, and that applies it in a, such a tangible and real way that when we receive the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament, again, it's a very personal reception of Christ. Evangelicals talk about receiving Christ for your forgiveness. They speak of that as a one-time thing, and they only have reference to the first time they experience that, to their conversion. But Lutherans, we're receiving Christ every time we receive the Lord's Supper, along with all that that means. What should a visitor to a Lutheran congregation know about the biblical teaching and practice of closed communion? Well, this is something that really alienates a lot of visitors, and I think a lot of it it's because they don't understand it. A lot of it's because of their own assumptions about communion, that if it is only symbolic, well, why don't you let me take communion with you? They sort of think of it that way. But again, Lutherans have this view of the Lord's Supper and that scriptural teaching that you must not, for your own safety, receive the body and blood of Christ without, St. Paul's words are, uh, discerning the body. Don't take it without discerning the body. And Lutherans think you need to discern the body, that this is the body of Christ. And for that, you need to be catechized and taught it. There are different theologies about what that means, discerning the body. Catholics believe in transubstantiation, that the bread only appears to be bread. Its substance, though, is the, the body of Christ. Calvinists see as a spiritual thing that this is only bread, but we feed on the body of Christ, which is in heaven. These different ideas, but Lutherans say you need to discern the body and what in the elements of the, the bread and wine. Some Christians say that discerning the body doesn't refer to Holy Communion, even though that's the context that St. Paul is talking about in that passage, that it refers to discerning the church, discerning the body of believers that you're with. And that, too, is an emphasis in that passage. But to me, that, too, speaks of closed communion. Consider those that you're taking this sacrament with. And that's why it's quite legitimate to think of church fellowship. Now, Catholics and Orthodox, they practice closed communion too. I've never heard of an evangelical objecting that he can't take communion to the Catholic church, and they don't want to. You know, I'm not Catholic. And if they did, that would be pretending to be Catholic and pretending to believe something they don't really believe, and even participating in a rite that they think is idolatrous. Well, Lutheran's teaching of close communion is kind of the same. I wouldn't take communion, certainly not a Catholic, but even at the churches, most of them that practice open communion. I just wouldn't feel right about that. 
I agree that they're Christian and I honor them and, and I'm not questioning their salvation. And Lutherans aren't questioning the visitor salvation just because of the teaching that those who come up for communion need to be catechized. They need to be taught the catechism. They need to be taught what this means. They need to agree with it. They need to be confirmed that they agree with it. And so without that and without agreeing and being in fellowship with a church that you have disagreements with, it's just not right to take communion under those circumstances. Finally, how is the Lutheran liturgy a window into what Lutherans believe, teach, and confess? Yeah, you know, it's really all there. The focus on the Word and the sacrament, the law and the gospel, especially the gospel, because the gospel is everywhere in the liturgy. You know, when you sing the Kyrie, you know, Lord, have mercy, the gospel is implicit throughout the whole service. You have the readings of Scripture, you have the the law and gospel sermon, you have the Lord's Supper, and you may have a baptism, the focus of Lutherans on the Word of God, the focus of Lutherans on the gospel as being the center, the article upon which the church stands and falls. Again, that's the criteria for everything in worship, everything in the church building, the art that's displayed, the music, the hymns that are sung. It's just all there. And when you go to a Lutheran service, you're just immersed into this rich, beautiful, celebratory contact with the Word of God and the gospel of Christ and the presence of Christ. That's one reason why Lutheran services are so reverent. And that was another thing my wife and I came to find in Lutheran worship a sense of of holiness, again, that we hadn't found in the very casual services we were used to, a sense of something very profound is happening in front of us, a sense that, that we're coming into the presence of a holy God who welcomes us, who serves us, who serves us in through his word and his sacrament, who we pray to and offer our praises, but he's the one doing the real work to build up our faith. Dr. Jean Edward Veith is provost and professor of literature emeritus at Patrick Henry College, previously served as culture editor for World Magazine. He's director of the Cronach Institute at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of numerous books, including The Spirituality of the Cross and a recent column titled Five Tips to Keep in Mind When Visiting a Lutheran Church. You can read it and purchase The Spirituality of the Cross at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Dr. V, thank you. My pleasure. If you want to learn more about Lutheran worship, visit lcms.org slash worship. You'll find resources on the Lutheran liturgy, the church calendar, hymn studies, and more. lcms.org slash worship. On the other side, we're going to be looking at the church triumphant hymn, Jerusalem, My Happy Home. Pastor Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, will be our guest. (music) 
Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.